Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties 2. This episode features one of the three guests on my hour-long NPR show, heard every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island, where it has broadcast continuously for 14 years. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the Dog Bible, Everything Your Dog Wants You to Know, as well as the Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know, because I care about people who care about cats, dogs, and other creatures who share our planet. I'm also the founder and director of the New York Dog Film Festival and the New York Cat Film Festival, which travel America and Canada supporting local animal welfare groups. I could not bring you this show without the support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian who's created a variety of litters to please any cat, as well as inventing clean protein cat foods based on the protein found in cats' natural prey. This show is also made possible with the generous sponsorship of Waruva, the family-owned foreman pet food company named after their rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa, where all their recipes in cans and pouches are human edible because they're made in a human food facility. Good enough for you to eat, but your cats won't appreciate that. It is such a pleasure to have Annie England Noblin back. She's been on the show before with her delightful book, The St. Francis Society for Wayward Pets. And now comes Christmas in Blue Dog Valley. And I didn't know what to expect. And I was really pleasantly, pleasantly delighted. And you've written a book that is just easy on the mind and easy on the heart. And it's just a pleasure ride. It's sort of like a ride down a river. It's really so unusual in that way. It it's, doesn't demand that you have big emotions as a reader or pay, you know, like pay attention. You just get to have this this pleasurable time with these lovely people. Is that what your life is like? Do you have lovely people in your life and you can just enjoy yourself? <laughs> Honestly, it's like, God, there's no strife and stress. Well, a little but not that bad. And is that how you view life? Are you an easygoing person? I try to be. Um Yes, um, but I don't know that my life is just, you know, kind of an easy ride. But I wanted to write a book that represented that. Well, I'm glad that I that I caught that from it because as I was reading, I was like, nobody's dying. The world isn't coming to an end. People aren't on drugs, you know. Not that all books have those elements, but it seems as though in the modern world and publishing in particular, what's the hook? You know, what's the big thing that's going to happen? What's the giant challenge to overcome? And there is one, but it's so human-sized. You know, this this lovely California vet in a, in a moment of an impulsive moment winds up taking over the practice in a town where she's thought of as an L.A. person. And I and boy, that is really definitely a target that people can have on their back and and understandably so. I mean, having lived there for 23 years, I can tell you it's a different, it's a different universe. And it's not one that translates always very well to other more normal places, low-key places. Is, was that the, the germ of the idea for you, this displacement yes. or, cho- or accidentally choosing to live somewhere new and then going, oops? Pretty much. I've, I've uh, started over several times in my life, so I have some experience with that. But where I live in the Ozarks, the Missouri Ozarks, people move in from all places, specifically California, because the the land is cheap and and they think they're going to assimilate very quickly. And what they find is it's not 
quite as easy Interesting. as I thought it would be. <laughs> so the Ozarks, how did you wind up there? I was, my family is, is from here. So I grew up, I grew up here. And after I finished college, I spent some time away. And then my husband and I decided um, he's not from the Ozarks. And um, so it was definitely a new world for him. We've been here. We've been back 12 years and he still sometimes acts like acts like it's a foreign country. But, you know, that's really understandable. The starting over, that is really the theme of the book, starting over and the challenges of that when you're already an adult. And it takes a certain amount of courage and guts. There's a very funny couple of lines that, that came with the book. When Goldie McKenzie, DVM, vet to the L.A. Pet Stars, arrives from Los Angeles to Blue Dog Valley, she realizes three things. One, never agree to upend your life when you're hungover. Two, potbelly pigs are not true farm animals. And three, she's going to need a warmer coat. It's just, you know, these simple, uh, logical, rational, practical things that are in the book that I, I just found myself cracking a smile a lot. You are a very funny writer, and, and the St. Francis Society book was Laugh Out Loud. But they're more like crack a smile of recognition of the human challenges and the way that humans treat each other. And here she takes over this vet practice, and not only does nobody want to come see her, but the first call is for a horse with an abscess in his hoof, which she hasn't <laughs> seen a lot of in L.A. Is, is, have you had doings with, with vets in the, in the Ozarks, which is a non-L.A. kind of place, and realized how different things are, that a pot-bellied pig, for example, is not a true farm animal? <laughs> oh, yes. All of our vets in this area, you know, very few of them only see small animals. Most of them are, are big animal vets, and they do the, the little animals sort of on the side. Yes. So it would be very typical for a vet here to get a call about, you know, a, a, a cow or, or a horse. And, you know, it's just always, it's always something. And that's just kind of the way it is for Goldie as well. It's, just, it's always something. Right. But it's not the somethings that she's used to. No. And, and I, I think that's what's so so marvelous. And she does have animals who who help her through this transition. It's not quite a journey so much as a, a cold dunking in the deep end, in a sense. You know, it's, right. it's not like la-di-da. It's like, wow, you're in the deep end. Start swimming. You, the character who is the, the, vet, the vet practice um, receptionist manager is a great character of kind of a grumpster who really, in a sense, has her back. Where did you come up with that idea of the two women being thrown together in this situation and, and having to muddle through it with very different personalities? I just sort of thought about how very often at work for me, I am the sort of upbeat, bubbly one, and very often people are like, you talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, but I... Like it's a bad thing. No, right. I can win them over. And, and I thought about this. I wanted, I don't know why, but I came up with the name of Tiffany and I thought everyone assumes that name is very bubbly. Right. Very, you know, but it's, yes. she is, Tiffany is not. And I like the idea of having that name not go with who she is as a person. It goes, it, it's wonderful because she really is, she's a, she's a tough nut, but she's really what Goldie needs to kind of give her tough love in, accepting the reality of what it's like to start a new life in a new place. I, I, I've i moved a lot and changed lives a lot myself. And 
you sort of think of the practical things like, okay, you have to figure out the supermarket. That's easy, but you have to find a dentist and a doctor and a vet and a chiropractor and I don't know, uh, you know, someone who'll hem your skirt. And all of that's really kind of, it. the older you get, the more daunting it is. That's why people maybe don't move. It's like, at least they know the, they know the grid of the town and where the stores are. You know, if you need your, to get your earring repaired, you know where to go. And I guess for her, she really just uprooted herself completely and left behind a honey, right? Yes. She just, I mean, she just sort of plopped herself in this in this random place where she literally knows nobody and doesn't understand the way anything works. And that's yes. pretty obvious up front that she has no idea how this town operates. That's right. And that's what's delightful. And maybe that does come a lot from you going back to your roots and bringing along your husband for whom it's very hard to set down roots. And it is. It's when you have a place that has its culture and is used to an influx of outsiders. There's whole states that view everyone as an outsider, like Vermont. Anyone who wasn't born here is a flatlander. They're just always going to be a flatlander. There's no way to get around it. And certainly in the Hamptons, if you, you know, if you, it's called uh, below the bridge and it's people that settled there as, as farmers and fishermen going back hundreds of years and everybody else is a newcomer. It's not even just that they're new money. They're just, they don't get it. They don't get what the place, what the original flavor of the place was like. How big is the town where you live? Because Blue Dog Valley, home of the fighting elk, as you say in the book, population 3,411, and now 412, I guess, with Goldie. How big (laughs) is the town where you live? My town is about 10,000 people. Uh, So it's a little bit bigger, but the town where I grew up, which is about 20 minutes away, only has 208 people. Wow. Isn't that something? In this day and age that there would be a town so tiny, it's so exotic sounding to us. The rest of us that, you know, are stuck in, not me personally anymore because I've ran away from all that, but stuck in traffic, you know, an hour and a half to get to work in bumper to bumper traffic. And you grew up in a town with not enough people to fill a diner in some places. We don't even have a stoplight. That's so cool. Well, I think it's wonderful the juxtaposition between the some whatever we mean by the fast lane with animals and the slow lane with animals because it's a different lane. I I I think that the the way she interacts with her animals, her sphinx and and her dog, that that tells us a lot about the human animal bond and how in your bleakest moments if you have any bleak moments, we don't wish them on people, the the value and importance of those animal relationships. Have you had that, have you just witnessed it like we all have maybe from afar with someone else or, or lived through it yourself? Oh, I, there are years that I don't think I could have gotten through without my pet. They're, they're so important in my life. And I think that's, you know, anytime I think of someone needing emotional support, I immediately think about animals. Because they've been such huge emotional support for me. I Before I met my husband, I moved several times on my own. And my animals always came with me. And they were the one familiar thing. That's right. That's right. Exactly. They are the touchstone. It, it's really, it's it's so important to, to know that and to see it for a vet, that her personal animals are, are what get her through. 
Talk about your rescued bulldogs. I mean, I don't imagine there's a lot of English bulldogs in the Ozarks. Maybe there are. I would think there'd be more like, you know, farm dogs or something. So when people see English bulldogs, three of them, if they see them, maybe they're all mostly hanging at home. Are people kind of amazed? What is that? Is that a dog? Very often. You know, we do have quite a few bulldogs. I So that uh, bio is a little bit old. My bulldogs are all gone now. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I just have a, a very um, chubby pug. Oh, that's like <laughs> a miniature a miniature bulldog. Really and truly. But, you know, people people love them. They, they can't help it. Every time they see a bulldog, they, even myself, we, you, you gravitate towards them because they're so cute and you just want to squish them. And they're so <laughs> squishy already. And they're so kind of undog like. So did you, did you downsize to a pug because you needed to stay in the same brachycephalic smash faced kind of dog? Cause that to you equals dog. Sort of. My my son always wanted a pug, and because I worked in rescue, we just sort of took what we, you know, what we got, what needed a home. And so, uh, when we were down to our our last little rescue dog, we said, okay, we'll start looking to adopt a pug, um, and that that's what we did. And it's been such a great experience because he's just a, a so, such a funny little dog. They're so, they have such great personalities. I think it's why people are drawn to them. There's quite a lot of pug rescues. I mean, if anyone's interested in pugs, it is good to point out that it's a breed. And I'm not sure entirely why there would be so many to be adopted because the people who have them, many times adopted ones, are ardent, ardent fans of the breed and of the individuals. So it's I can't understand how so many of them are kind of in the adoption marketplace. I mean, there there was something called the Green Mountain Pug Rescue where people were driving pugs from various places up into Vermont, over into New Hampshire, and doing that amazing transport thing that people do, you know, meet you in the parking lot, I'll trade you an empty crate for two pugs or whatever. Um, did, did, <laughs> does that happen in your neck of the woods in rescue? For sure. People are always surprised how many, you know, quote, purebred dogs are in rescue, but you know, all of my English bulldogs were rescues. No kidding. All of my dogs have been rescues. And and it's because a lot of times people want a really cute dog, but they don't understand the medical necessities of bulldogs and flat-faced breeds. So they get them, and then they're like, what, I'm going to spend $2,000 this year at the vet? You know, I don't I don't want to do that. Right, not only that, but, so some, but some health ins- vet health insurance, pet health insurance won't even cover them. Or, or no. eliminate certain conditions because, sadly, in the, the misbreeding of both pugs and English bulldogs, they've exaggerated the features that, as you say, draw people to them mm-hmm. and cause tremendous health problems for the dogs. And therefore, they're, on some levels, depending on the pet insurance company, uninsurable. But even with insurance you have to expect bills. And that's what's so worrisome when people should, it's not that hard to educate yourself. It's so easy. Just Google, you know, health problems with whatever breed you're interested in and find out, oh, okay, so I have to have a vet I like that's close enough that I can afford because that you're going to be there a lot, right? Eye problems, skin problems, digestion problems. Yes all of those things. And that's why it's important. And I'm lucky. I, like I said, I live in the Ozarks where 
you know, things are a lot cheaper than they are in, in, in bigger cities. But I just, I have a really good relationship with my vet and he is always willing to work with me. You know, if I have a big bill, I can pay it out. You How know? nice. He's just, he's, it's wonderful. And these little, people underestimate these little country vets, but they are really sometimes what keep these rescue dogs alive. That's right. They are a lifeline. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Really well, are. let's just speak for a minute with the time I have left about Kevin, the worst sheepdog in Blue Dog Valley, <laughs> who in the end winds up to be a hero. But it is called Christmas in Blue Dog Valley. And I and I neglected to say that the charming part about this town is that they love Christmas. And I think there are just a lot of people who love Christmas. There's whole stores that are Christmas stores year-round <laughs> in this town. And so when Goldie comes, they say, you better like Christmas because we love Christmas. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, the end of December. So Kevin um, is this funny sheepdog, who's, and, and he finds this little girl. In the end, he's a hero, which, is, which I think dogs can do. I think they can rise to the occasion when they need to, don't you? Oh, for sure. People underestimate dogs, animals in general, all the time. So even though he did not fulfill his duty as being a great shepherd <laughs> of sheep or whatever else he might have been shepherding, he did shepherd a little girl in a who had wandered off because, well, the way little children wander off, something caught her eye. I, I really, I just want to commend you for Christmas in Blue Dog Valley, Annie England Noblin, because... It's great. Some, there's a quote on the front that says, feel good fiction at its finest. And I thought that really encapsulates what it is. It makes you feel good. It feels good to read this book. It just, you know, the the ups and downs, the quirks and foibles of humans, and at their worst, they can be wonderful if you just look at them from a different perspective, which I guess is the uh, the Annie Noblin perspective, which is upbeat, <laughs> upbeat and and, you know, give everyone the benefit of the doubt. I guess it's a benefit of the doubt kind of book. It is. It really is. I want everyone to, to feel warm and happy when they're finished with it. That was the goal. Well, you know what? You succeeded in spades. You did an amazing job of helping people feel good and and in some small part also celebrate Christmas, which is a feel-good holiday. So thank you, Annie. And keep up the good work and uh, maybe take a few pounds off that pug for his own sake. What do you think? Okay. (laughs) Take care. All right. Thanks for listening. There are a few more special companies that make this show possible. I hope you will support their products because they stand behind my mission, which is to educate and inspire while entertaining. Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, creates holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. They make many non-chemical products for the inside and outside of your pets, as well as innovative foods like no-hide and the hybrid dry food wisdom, which sometimes is all that my Blue Weimer runner Maisie will eat. My other sponsor is Cradle, which makes CBD calming products to reduce stress for dogs using broad-spectrum CBD from U.S.-grown hemp, formulated with a proprietary blend of nutraceutical ingredients. My Wanda Weimaraner couldn't get through thunderstorms without their cradle melts. And I'm grateful to Evermore Pet Food, which is privately owned by two extraordinary women who cook dog food from the most pristine human edible ingredients and ship it to your door in frozen pouches. It is higher quality and more ethically sourced than my own food. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this one guest version of Dog Talk and Kitties 2, and we'll listen to other episodes sometime soon.